Do you love and hate the hospitality industry? Then you are in the right spot. Join your hosts, Kyle and Sarah, Sean Walsheth, and Jensen Cummings as they talk shop and give real insights into the latest restaurant news and most pressing issues facing hospitality professionals today. Welcome in to the Restaurant Idea Factory. Hey, welcome into Restaurant Idea Factory. Today is summer solstice, guys. Long, long day here in the States, 15 hours. And so we're going to put on a good show for you all feeling the vibes. It's been a beautiful summer so far. All right. What are we getting into today, guys? Rift 26. We're talking Keith Lee feud, Netflix bites in LA, and restaurant uses priests to scam employees. Damn. Ouch. We got uh, Sandwich and Bull Bots, Mr. Beast leaving Beast Burger, Olo layoffs, and Delivery Robot fails all on the line. And of course, as you see, we have the one and only Avi Gorin of Marquee with us. Avi, good to see you. Hey, everyone. Fun to be here. Thanks for, thanks for having me back. I guess I didn't piss anyone off. Yeah, you, <laughs> you made a second appearance. We didn't have to go, mm, that was fun, but uh, maybe never again. So we're glad to have you back, man, for sure, 100%. Uh, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a good show. We're gonna get. Uh, I heard from Kelsey. We're gonna get like a confessional reading reviews from you today. So I'm pretty That's excited great. about that. That's gonna be well, end like of the that. show. That is the headline or last little bit. We always like when we get real and vulnerable. So you're gonna read your own reviews that you've written. You know, as a consumer, Sean, I've I've really matured over the last ten to fifteen <laughs> years. And I'll say this: I went back when I started Marquee, and I deleted every one star review. Uh, except this one. Except this one. Wow, what a good tease. Did this one. Because okay. this one, I meant. <laughs> this is a good tease. Amen. This one, this one stands the test of time, huh? It's still. Do you have anyone? Really do you have anyone on your staff that can recover the deleted, Avi? Uh, once it's on the internet, it's on the internet forever, right? If someone deep in Yelp wanted yeah, some deep states the, the yeah. hidden obvi review files yes probably yes most likely but not on the marquee team they better not marquee team yeah. they, they have bigger dirt to share on me than my one star review yeah. <laughs> yeah there was a meeting yesterday that's full of good stuff we don't need to go back 10 yeah, years yeah. of obvi one star one star reviews oh man i love this all right selfishly obvi last time we learned that you did stand-up comedy so now all the time i'm like Every time you've done a clip since, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Is Avi doing a bit right now? I think Avi's doing a bit right now. So you got to give us, uh, you got to give us the joke of the morning, man. What do you got for us? Oh no! Um, yep, on the spot. This, Let's go. It's it's rarely a bit. This is one. This is one of the first jokes I ever wrote. I was 18 or 19. Um, oh boy. Uh, <clears throat> We're going back in time then. This show with Avi, man. Original so, reviews, original jokes. <laughs> Everyone knows I'm Chilean, uh, a lot of family over there, and I was lucky that my aunt came to visit us from Santiago the other week, and when she was coming, my parents said, please bring us Sananus. It's our favorite Chilean chocolate. We miss it so much. So my aunt shows up, hands me a bar, and says, Avi, this chocolate's incredible. It's so good, it's worth dying for. Shared some with my dog, and turns out she was right. <laughs> oh, man. Ouch. Oh. Peter is, Peter is coming for us. The dog lovers are coming for I us. I warned you it was my first. It was one of the first. 
I give my dog a hug every time I see her. I love her. Yeah, she never gets you, any should. Chocolate. you should. <laughs> Where's your dog? Bring your dog in. We need a cameo of she's, the dog. The dog is still alive, people. She's summering in Long Island with my parents right now. Oh, ah, nice. <laughs> Kyle, go get the dog. Yeah, really. <laughs> Kyle's right. Kyle's right down the street. Oh, I love this man. This is gonna be a fun show. We got uh, we got some we got some lighthearted stuff. We got some what the fuck is going on in our industry stuff going on today. So let's get right into it, guys. I'm actually I'm Kyle said that I was the hostage. He looks like the hostage. What is that little like nook and cranny little space over there? Did they let you out of there? That's yeah, right. you're I'm just saying. I mean, he snuck out of his hair uh, under the stairs. <laughs> it's, room. One of those, it's one of those obstacles. Like, if I go over there, I'm actually taller than that, like, like smaller than anyone, <laughs> like down here. Yeah. You're you're in a fun house uh, in Long Island? Uh, no, we're at the Jersey Shore, and it, yeah, it's uh, oh, even better. Weather, it has to turn into a fun house because otherwise, we're all gonna, you know, we get family in here for too many days. You gotta figure out some <laughs> things to do, so uh, we can't go outside. so yeah, it's a bit of a fun house for sure. No sympathy. I might be in that door by the end of this trip. Absolutely. You could spend five weeks in the village with the family, then you can get some sympathy from me. <laughs> the village sounds like a movie. It is a movie. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Summer vacations, people. All right, let's get a let's get another laugh here. We're gonna talk <laughs> robotic revelation. So, so last week we we talked about uh, right Uber Eats announced their uh, partnership with Serve Robotics, rolling out two thousand new rovers. Uh, <laughs> Sean said too early. It's too Google Glass. It's uh, too much off road that they need to be able to get to. I don't know if they're ever getting to your location in Spring Valley, Sean. Uh, but uh, just generally, uh, was basically calling out the infrastructure in San Diego, saying that the uh, sidewalks are garbage well we got our guy here in la let's check out what's going on with the robots in la oh man look at somebody knock him over who is it it's austin <laughs> poor austin and then you went even deeper sean like you got to get into this you found this clip you sent it over yes. uh you then looked at this dude's account what's it called it's find the robots LA and find the robots LA. Uh, they follow this account is amazing. They follow all of the apparently all of these robots are named. So he just goes around finding these robots in terrible situations. And uh, like Austin is that individual bot's name. That's Austin the bot. Oh, yeah. So gotcha. There's multiple robots. It's not a fleet he, of Austin. No. Does he do for a living? Uh, he films the police on his other account. Apparently. <laughs> He films the robots and the police, so <laughs> I don't I don't know what kind of sponsors he's pulling in for his yeah. police videos. But it's just a streetwalker, huh? Uh, it's impressive and entertaining. It's <laughs> worth a follow on TikTok for sure. Do, like do we know? Do any of us know what happens if a robot gets knocked off its delivery? That one he said was looted. It was it was empty. You could see that the the top was open. What what's the what's the recourse then? that has anybody heard anything on that i think they turn into a tin can back at the factory they're they're yeah. off the route <laughs> you you go go the <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason they hired robots there's not a, not a lot of sympathy there yeah. <laughs> i won't learn you failed <laughs> but for the restaurant so they're remaking that order well they're not getting the bot so then they have to go through through uber eats directly and get that 45 minute order that, is it canceled has, what happens that has that responsible time, for right? it one yeah. time you're like, fuck it, we're not using these things anymore. Yeah. Get the remake that order. They're like, no, nah, never mind, forget it. I knew this wasn't no. worth it. 
over. Yeah. I mean, as a as a consumer, have you been in the DoorDash restaurant loop of who you yes. need to call to get your order taken care of? No. I, it's 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 miserable. I'd rather be hungry. <laughs> it was. I think it was the yeah, first not, time that I. The first time that I tried DoorDash, I, it was like I was living downtown San Diego. We were living in Bankers Hill, and I remember ordering from an Italian restaurant in Little Italy. And I was like, okay, we'll try to get delivery. And it was the worst experience. I don't think I ordered online for delivery like for another three years because I was like, poor restaurant. They had no idea that we ordered. Yeah. They called, and they were upset oh. with DoorDash, and DoorDash didn't have any answers. I was like, this is there's no way this is going to work. This is never going to work. <laughs> Here we are. Oh, yeah. This is going to be hard. I mean, the the first over the wall always gets bloody, right? And this is going to be, it's going to be tough because you don't own that real estate. <laughs> Sean, I love the product placement for random beverages of Bring Bulgaria. This is a bul- This is a Bulgarian bubble water. Saguaro. Saguaro. It's not like the Petrus guy I had last time. That sounds. That sounds uh, Spanish, not Bulgarian. Saguaro. 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 Yeah. All right. Robots. Somebody from Serve Robotics, like uh clap back at us. Let us know that we're we're completely off base. That these robots, what's the percentage of robots that make their delivery, make their delivery on time? Somebody let us know. I wanna I wanna see if we're we're, <laughs> we're just says that the dog has a summer vacation. Wow, what's up, Phyllis? <laughs> <laughs> yes, the dog has a summer vacation. I mean, it's not, it's Nassau County. It's not that great. <laughs> <laughs> Traffic's terrible. According to Sean, it's just about as good as summering in Bulgaria. Uh, the summer in Bulgaria is amazing. Okay. But five it's weeks, it's too five much. Five weeks, it's amazing. No, I got a, I got an award last year. The, that, in the, uh, in the village, like the, the village the festival, the they, they brought the American on the state on stage and gave me an award for surviving for as long as I did. Was it a was it a pointy hat? What was the? Uh, no, it was like a bag, a swag bag, a Bulgarian swag bag. What's I gave a speech and everything. Bag? It was great. Citizenship. Yeah. It's, it's, it's <laughs> Bill, you have you a passport. <laughs> There's a proclamation in Sean Walshef's name in yeah. <laughs> Bulgaria. All right, next robotic revelations. We got another one. Nala Robotics introduced autonomous bull bot and sandwich bot. So this was interesting to me because I've been really wondering about the footprint of these and if they need to work in a certain amount of space and if that space can be co-opted by a human or how that kind of works. So what, uh, what they had to say was sandwich bot can prepare nearly any type of sandwich from 48 choices of meats, vegetables, and cheeses. So there's some type of a limit to the number that they can do all within a 16 foot by 12 foot space. And then the bull bot can pair bowls from 28 ingredients of bases, proteins, and topics in a 10 by 10 footprint, right? So these are taking up 10 by 10 or 16 by 12 to be able to make up a full sandwich. Kyle, get chef mode. <laughs> Put chef the amount of space you have in the kitchen, 16 by 12 to be able to produce sandwiches. So you're talking about a full sandwich top that this thing yeah. is trying to manage right i just can't Wait. imagine that's any good i'd have to see that that does not look like that's any. i mean i don't know there seems like there's a lot to go wrong i'd love to see it work i mean physically if it can crank it out in that size space great right like that's ideal it's not any bigger than what you would normally have but i just cannot imagine it's just peeling apart that seems to be the hardest thing like the fries like that big bulky thing you can grab but 
how are they doing like the deli meats and all that stuff? I need to see it. I haven't seen. Yeah, it. I saw pictures and videos. I saw it squeezing out uh, out of squeeze bottles. And actually, it looked a little more consistent than some cooks I've had to train yeah. to be like. You see how that one looks like you just put a quarter cup and that one has a quarter teaspoon. Yeah. There's a big difference in the amount of mustard you're putting on that. So that, that was I- that was impressive. But you're right. Slices, thinly sliced tomato, thinly sliced meat and the consistency of it. But 16 by 12, I can fit three workers in that space. So it has to be able to displace not one worker and its productivity, but three workers. And we're talking about, Kyle, on the real estate side even, like, do you have to make your kitchen bigger than you did before to be able to house kind of a robot like that? I mean, it certainly sounds like, but unless they're actually doing the amount of work and you're saving on the labor side. So, I mean, it all comes down to green pieces of paper, right? I think it's ultimately, I, I look, like you said, there are line cooks there. I don't care how many you put in there. They might not be as efficient as one robot, right? Um, I don't know. I just still have, There's just still not enough out there to test uh, for me to have make an opinion on be honest we got we got uh <clears throat> witch witch this weekend after uh camping at the lake and uh, i think betsy after waiting after ordering 15 minutes then waiting 15 minutes was ready for some robots to be making those sandwiches <laughs> they, i yeah. thought they went bk no sorry witch, witch. sorry witch witch no they went I, what least, all the b all the witch witches in san diego went out of business or maybe oh, really? franchisee there's still a few here in austin is really? there yeah, I mean Jersey Mike's is bigger here, but yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, uh, Jimmy John's Barbie. also. Jimmy John's. Yeah. I mean, until a robot is faster than Jimmy John's, like again, I just I watched the video. I I love sandwiches. Like I'm not. I love sandwiches. <laughs> Everything should be a sandwich. Yeah. And it just I I hear you, Jensen, on the mayonnaise. Yeah, it looked appropriately even, but then that's not enough. getting. You're only getting red onions on a third of your sandwich. I don't know if you watched the video all the way through. It was like I was I was live watching it with with Kelsey and like yelling at the robot. Yeah. <laughs> and to me, it's so when I land in Austin, right? There's the robot coffee, Costa Coffee, that I did a couple of times. It just wasn't very good. But if I'm craving and I can order on my phone when I land, I do it. But otherwise, there's Jimmy John's in Austin, and I'll just get Jimmy John's unless I can land and order from my phone. Then it's pretty cool. And if you're open till midnight when the rest of the airport closes at nine, yeah, that's pretty cool, right? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't see this replacing the Jersey Mike team behind that counter churning out number sevens for me. Just yeah, yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe the robots will need to jump in the sandwich prep. Maybe they're or, or making the sandwich. I can see them probably being, you know, maybe they're just putting on the condiments. Maybe they're just yeah. slicing things, right? Like they don't have to be the handcrafted sandwich guy, right, Sean? The just slicing is exciting. That's that's. Kyle, that's great. Yeah. They should just be slicing all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah working the slicer that nobody has to cut off their fingertips or anything like that. I like I like that side of it. And the other one, Bullbot, their specific unit, right, 10 by 10 footprint, so significantly less as far as Nala robots go. We saw Infinite Kitchen from Sweet Green, right, where they've taken kind of bowl automation and they have the assembly line style. This is a little different than that. This is static assembly versus assembly line, but it makes a little bit more sense in those because you're just kind of plopping certain amounts of specific ingredients. You're not building, and Avi will know the meat to bread to to oil, vinegar, salt, pepper, oregano. Like that ratio is sacred in a sandwich. 
how many times have you had that number seven? You're like flawless, flawless. And that one time mm-hmm. where somebody throws an extra tomato or lack thereof, and you're like, it's off. It, the ratio is so magical. Whereas like a bowl, you're kind of getting a bite of whatever you're getting at any given time. So I think the medium of the robot makes a big difference. Bowl robot robots, like I, I'd probably be ready for them now. Sandwich robot, you got you got to prove it to me. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. In fact, I, my dad, if you ever watch this man order a sandwich at Wegmans. He breaks all the ratio rules, and like a robot is the only one who should serve him because they don't judge. Until you get <laughs> scooped, scooped double meat at Wegmans, which regular meat is eight ounce, double meat is a pound of turkey. Oh, wow! You want a robot? Yeah, I'm thinking of, I mean, we we had this short here, right? They're known for like their their subs down here. I'm thinking of the sandwich we had yesterday, like classic Italian. I could not see how a robot could execute that here. I don't see it. No way. Ooh, we need the John Henry challenge here. Let's see the sandwich artiste <laughs> versus the sandwich bot and see who comes out on top. Is it a is it a sub, Kyle? A, a grinder? A hoagie? Uh, we had, it's funny. We had that conversation with the guy here yesterday. A because hero? Reason, Long Island is hero, right? Obviously, everything was a hero growing up. Yeah. So then but okay. for some reason, and in the city, it's hero. But for some yeah. reason, Westchester County is wedge. Nobody else uses that what phrase. Is- a wedge. A, a wedge? Yeah. So like a s- Italian wedge, a chicken colored wedge. Yeah, it's awful. But here is subs. But then Philly is like something else. I forget what Philly is. Hoagie. Said. I think Philly's hoagie, right? Yeah. Hoagie. Yeah. So Philly's a hoagie. And then somewhere like Midwest is grinders, which is, sounds mm-hmm. totally appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Grinder is what I got at Witch Witch, and I didn't even finish my regular size sandwich. I'm sorry, Witch Witch. You're on blast. Like now I'm now I'm having like anxiety about the fact that I'm with Avi. I fucking love a sandwich. I, and I, I had a grinder and I I put it down. I didn't finish a grinder, not a large, a regular size. I have sandwiches. Yet, a good sandwich from a from a franchise or national sandwich company. To me, it's always the local deli. I don't know. That's how I grown up on Long Island's delis. Delis, dry cleaners, Chinese food store, all those, any one of those delis on Long Island you're going to go to at a pizza place, you'll go to and get very solid. I, I would never go to a Jersey Mike's over a, a Oh, over? No, 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 no. They're, they're that time of need on a drive. Yeah. There's a, a magical triangle in my hometown of Farmer Joel's. Uh, we don't even know the name of the Chinese place. I just used the name of the person who referred it 20 years. It's Louis Hoyne's Chinese place. And then there's Oko's, which is like, it's this magical corner. Magical corner. <laughs> It's fantastic. Yeah, I'm with Yavi. I'd say in a pinch, I don't know the spot, timing, all that stuff. Jersey Mike's is probably the national somewhere. Yeah, it, I have to try it. I, I, I would imagine, though, like if you're used to those. Uh, I mean, I'm not making proclamations like it's the best. Domino's no, no, no. has the best Detroit-style pizza around like Kyle did on that front. But uh, Jersey Mike's will do when, uh, when I'm in a hurry, when we don't know any of the other spots, when we're not willing to risk xyz and you're in a hurry yeah jersey mike's as far as the national chain they'll they'll do for sure (laughs) all right this wasn't entertaining enough guys let's get into some entertainment feed what do we got here netflix plans to serve up food to eat not just watch from this article here on june 30th netflix bites will open in los angeles and will feature food from the chefs you've come to love on the small screen from shows like Chef's Table, Iron Chef, and Is It Cake? From Iron Chef, Curtis Stone, Dominique Cranming, Ming, and Andrew Zimmern. From Chef's Table, Rodney Scott and Ann Kim will contribute. Nadia Hussein of Nadia Bakes is involved as well. And Jock Torres of Nailed It. Also, drinks 
will be created by Frankie Solaric, Julie Reiner, LP O'Brien, and Kate Gerwin of Drink Masters. So they're kind of bringing together who who who's who of culinary dishes from television to put on a pop-up in LA. LA's getting all the cool shit. They get the robots, uh, TikTok channels, they get the Netflix stuff. What do we think about this, guys? Netflix pop-up. Terrible idea. Oh. The worst. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to go with something, go with something other than that. I don't know. I don't think it's a good idea. Why why would Netflix want to get into the restaurant? Even for a pop-up. What? Who does that benefit? I don't even know any of those people that you just mentioned. I've never even heard of any of them. Rodney Scott, I know. What? He's a gangster. Kyle. Give me a Kyle. Andrew yeah. Zimmern. You never heard of Andrew oh, Zimmern? Andrew. Tai? Come on. Dominique Crenn, the first female yeah. chef in the world with three Michelin stars. Anyway, the their content is wildly popular. Food content, wildly popular on Netflix. Rod- Rodney Scott, uh, for sure. You know, Sean had him on the show, his show as well. Andrew Zimmer and Ming Tsai had them on the show. Like these, they've become a part of of pop culture for sure. On top of the fact that their shows are wildly popular, on top of the fact that the you know the food aspect of it, I I wondered if it was a gimmick. You know, we talk a lot about celebrities slapping their name on something. Is this the reverse of that, where they're trying to slap chefs' names onto this, and then it becomes like virtual dining concepts trying to make tiktok stunt and trend food you know like does it does it not land because these chefs are not themselves involved is a robot trying to make ming size bings and uh, and failing epically at that or or what's the deal there the other thing i want to throw out in the mix is you know netflix is getting a lot of heat right now about not paying writers not paying creatives and they're like well shit we need to figure out another way to get uh creative content and you know, multi-channel. So now they're like, well, is this our culinary creators, another segment that we can exploit? You know, I had some, I had some spidey senses around that. So Avi, what do you think? I mean, I'm just going to flat out just for transparency. I love a pop-up. I'm a sucker. I love a pop-up. I, when I was working out at Soho, they did Miss Maisel season three pop-up a dollar for a pastrami from Carnegie Deli. They had the old school taxi. I took, so many white girl photos in front of it. I, I couldn't control myself. <laughs> I love a pop-up. My wife and I waited in line for Zagat's like mini burgers. I waited over an hour for literally a burger this big. So just like <laughs> off the bat, love a pop-up. I think Netflix, I'll take away the, the writer stuff for a second. I think Netflix, from just like a media perspective, they don't have what Disney has or Universal from the fact that like, hey, you can love a show and then go buy a Queen's Gambit chess set. Right, they have a hit, and then that's it. You get seven ninety nine a month from it. So if there's a world where they can start kind of bridging that as a very, very, very small Netflix shareholder, um, I'd love <laughs> to see them capitalize on some of those opportunities. Right, and like, look, I went to not to, you know not a humble brag. I went to Mendoza and I booked a Francis Malman restaurant from the show, and it was incredible. And it was Argentina, so it cost like that's twenty awesome. bucks. Right. And then we went back to Miami and booked his other restaurant and it cost a lot more. (laughs) But like I'm I'm a fan of some of those shows. So if there's an opportunity to not have to travel to try it, maybe again, do I think it's going to be even close to the quality? No, no, it's it's not going to happen. Right. But at least they're trying, I guess. I don't know. Again, pop up fan. So Uh, I like the fanboy admission. 
respect to that i like that you threw in the uh the small amount you got you got a couple shares of netflix netflix come on let's step up your game because avi needs to make some money that uh, that dog out there in long island is hungry <laughs> he's got to buy his dad sandwiches at wegmans come on people let's <laughs> let's get going sean pop-ups let's let's start there and then netflix specifically is this necessary for netflix because they're playing aaron sorkin 100 million dollars just to write the script I think it's a bad idea for Netflix. Um, I think there are other ways for them to go about it. Uh, there's a, a brand called Bucket Listers. I don't know if you guys know them or follow them. They have like it's Instagram account. They have multiple accounts in multiple cities, but they're doing pop-ups like around the Golden Girls and around Barbie. Oh, you very successful. But they've turned their social first media company into an event company. And I think partnering with someone i think netflix is just too big to get into a space so small and so complicated we're all here in the restaurant space like it's a bitch like we're going to talk about mr beast and he'll be the first one to tell you that restaurants are a bitch and a beast <laughs> so you know if we're if we're Thanks. does it mean that netflix doesn't have the capital to to make it successful of course they do but it sounds from the from what you've read too complicated too many moving parts and something that it's kind of a flash in the pan not, not nothing sustainable i love i love pop-ups i actually think in new york right now some of the best food is being served at pop-ups um you know like steve from ada they do a whole thing every friday on the pop-ups that are coming up um i just don't think this is the one i think it's, it's, not, a, it's, 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 like it's just not sustainable yeah it's like would you rather see them bring in one of the chefs and say, Hey, now it's a hundred dollars for dinner. And you're going to have like, for example, Danny yeah, Meyer has a spot chef, in New Papa. York, elect the Lexus lounge where he brings in a yeah. restaurant for, I don't know if it's 30, 60 days. And I went with my, I ate Meshuggah, which is like this incredible mm -hmm. Buenos Aires restaurant. That's top 50 in South America. And I had it in, in Union square, right? It was incredible. That. Would you rather see them go on the higher end approach than yeah. the more accessible approach? Yes. Yeah, I think it also depends on the brand, like the fact that they're talking about chef's table and is it cake in the same right. sentence to me right. is problematic. Like my boys watch, is it cake? They, they love that stuff. So I would totally take my boys to a pop-up like that because mm -hmm. they're young and it makes a lot of sense and it's fun and it's playful. Just like, you know, I think bucket listers, they do the Barbie pop-up. I think, yep. I think they were the ones behind. So I saw the Barbie pop-up makes a lot of sense. Hack culture. Uh, the attention is there. I'm all about it. Chef's table is a whole different thing when you're talking about those, what they're doing or, you know, Rodney Scott and that kind of thing. Like I want to be standing next to the smoker as part of that pop-up. You know what I mean? Like that feels like it'd be real versus it being like here, have a whole bunch of bites of is it cake and then, you know, Malman or something that's super, super high end. So I think, I think you probably need to think about it a little bit more focused than what it sounds like they're doing scattershot hoping that they can vibe off all of the culture around all of their popular yeah. shows and food i also think that it's you know i think there's a way to it just doesn't seem uh enough like if restaurants are about the experience food's about the experience just to give steven aided another shout out they, they he's bringing in the people from um like chef's table. I forget her name, the barbacoa lady. I don't know if you guys saw that. He did, does these experiences at the Soho house with them and yeah, you can eat right. their food, her barbacoa. She's there making it as invite only. This just seems like a watered down version of that. 
Like, like she, she's not going to be there making the barbacoa. You just have to be like, oh, this must be what she makes. And the reality is, I don't know that a real true chef that you want to have that experience with is going to let that much distance go between them and the product. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be tough for me if I was Ming Tsai and like somebody else is owning my recipe to that degree and putting my name on it. It's the reverse of slapping your name on it. They're, they're taking your product and pulling you out of that. Now, will they maybe have high-end ones like on June 30th? Could Ming Tsai be there? And then it's then it's on point? Yeah. But what happens on June 31st? Is there a June 31st? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing happens on June 31st. The pop-ups are like, I think, a Forsyth fire escape. I don't know if you guys saw that story. They started making, like, burritos using scallion pancakes and delivering them from their fire escape. And it's either uptown or, or in, in the Bronx somewhere. And now they're doing pop-ups, and now they're going to look for potentially a brick-and-mortar location. I think I like that that yeah, more, like, like that. grassroots, like, this is how we're going to start the concept. Because there's the barrier to get up space in New York City. I mean, they're never going to get one, right? So they're going to oh, do what they have to do. For so. anybody thinking about opening a restaurant, if you're not doing a pop-up first, you're doing it wrong. So I think pop-up as a catch-all term, for sure, like if you are looking to bring a, your product to market and open a restaurant or anything like that, pop-up is absolutely the path that you need to start on. This is kind of taking the pop-up model and, and turning it into, into Disneyland without the without the gift shop. That's <laughs> what it the obvious point is what it feels like all right we already alluded to this let's uh let's talk a little mr beast mr beast says he's moving on from mr beast burger and now deleted tweets the youtube star said quality control problems with the virtual brand are hurting his image but shutting it down entirely may be out of his hands jimmy donaldson wrote that he wanted to shut down mr beast burger but the company i partnered with won't let me stop even though it's terrible for my brand he went on to say, Young Beast signed a bad deal. Okay. We talked about we talked about this, Kyle. You said the second that it starts to dip, it starts to drop quality, the integrity, timing, all of that when you're attaching your brand onto your existing restaurant, attaching one of these brands. Well, Mr. Beast is seeing the effects of that, wants to get out, and he's partnered up with Virtual Dining Concepts. So I'll let you jump in first, Kyle. You saw the writing on the wall already. Yeah, I mean, I think every, and nothing can blow up at that scale and maintain any kind of level of consistency, right? I mean, that's why even the best brands in the world can't do that. I, I mean, to me, Mr. Beast always comes out of this little, because this was my experience, this little tiny convenience store in Scarsdale, New York. And the guy had like 20 different brands written on a piece of like paper that he was carrying that was stuck on the window. To me, that alone cheapens your brand, right? Like in this guy like behind the counter with like random deli, like in a convenience store. So not being too picky on where it's coming out of certainly isn't going to help you. There's nobody with any kind of real cooking experience, but I don't know. Yeah, it seemed inevitable for sure. But shout out to the bodegas where you can get the best sandwich. Oh, yeah. In, give me a chop cheese. Best chop sandwich cheese. in Queens. Like, <laughs> no no doubt about that. Chop cheese uh, old Mr. Beast for sure. Sean, you you look like disgruntled about Mr. Beast leaving Mr. Beast Burger. Uh, you said you liked the burger. You had a quality burger, so that wasn't an issue for you specifically when you had it. Where you uh, where's your head at on this? We're not going to be able to talk about is it Beast Burger or Mr. Beast Burger? I feel like I've seen both. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to talk about Mr. Beast Burger anymore for very much longer. Mr. Beast Burger. Mr. Beast Burger. 
Senor Berber. Senor Mr. Yeah, I mean, what was interesting is before I got to Bulgaria, I saw an announcement on LinkedIn about international Mr. Beast Burger expansion. And one of the locations was Bulgaria. That's right. Um, so I wanted to try where Mr. Beast Burger was going to be coming out of Bulgaria. Like I didn't really care where in the country it was. I was going to go and figure there. out where is it? Who am I going to go talk to and, you know, find out what's going on with Mr. Beast Burger in Bulgaria? Because that's just very interesting to me. But to Kyle's point, to all of our points is we knew this was going to happen. Like yeah. it, it's literally, it's literally impossible without standard operating procedures. You know, this is why franchises take as long as they do to grow to the scale that they grow to. Nice. And even when they do, there's units that don't perform the same. Like McDonald's has, has done something that, that very few others on earth have been able to do. And that's if I have a Bulgarian McDonald's burger, a Big Mac, it's going to taste the same here as it does in Spring Valley. Like that's just how they do it. But that doesn't mean that, you know, Mr. Beast overnight, you know, in the path of two years is able to go and vet all of these locations and come up with policies and procedures that are going to allow the quality to be the same. It's just not possible. Yeah. I mean, and I like working with a lot of these emerging groups that are starting to franchise or build out their units, the amount of effort it takes to and, and commitment to the process and, and the ability to let go a little bit to expand your brand to that point to just even one other unit to show is it going to be the same here as it is over there? Because people will start making reviews online, right? Like they're going to be like, oh, yeah. this is a nice location, better parking, but the food tastes different. And as an operator, that is a nightmare. Yeah. Right? Like, that's, so that's it's dangerous. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously that's why you went with burgers and fries all frozen. I mean, I, I get that part of it, but at some point a bad burger is a bad burger. And there's going to be so many options in all these other towns and cities. that's going to be like, screw it. I don't want to lose its appeal. Well, in the operational challenge that I think is layered on top of everything we're talking about is something that we discussed when we're talking about following the rules, right? I think it was with licensing and permits and Kyle gave the example of not getting the permit for the tables outside, just paying the fine. And Sean made a point that if you are opening your own restaurant, are you actually a rule follower? And I said, if you're a rule follower, you're a franchisee. Yeah. And so now we have independent restaurants who are independent thinkers and do things their own way for better or worse now being asked to be rule followers to follow that SOP. And I think there's, there's a, there's some kind of internal and operational struggle happening because they aren't rule followers. So you're telling me I'm now a franchisee, fuck yeah. you. I'm a restaurant owner. And so I think that is causing some problems. So even, even at a subconscious level, those restaurateurs might be sabotaging the burger brand because they're like, well, I'm not going to do it this way or that way. I do things this way, which, again, for better or worse, is a lot of times the archetype that we're talking about. So, okay, Mr. Beast Burger, I'm sure more to come on that. Let's, uh, let's keep this rolling. <laughs> we're getting super into the weeds, and I like it. All right, let's talk a little guest experience presented by Ovation. Ovation is a two-question survey platform for real-time feedback, better online reviews, and happier guests. Let's hear what Zach has to say this week. Restaurant Idea Factory. What's up, team? Do you know that there is a secret ingredient to guest experience that I've thought about for years and have uncovered in talking with hundreds of restaurant operators and owners who are excellent at guest experience? You want to know what that one word is? The one word secret ingredient to a phenomenal guest experience is caring. Not caring, 
but caring. You want to know why? Because the universal human desire, as we talk about all the time on Given Ovation, is the desire to feel important. For example, I remember when I was in Japan at a food court and this woman made my chicken bowl just so carefully, domed the rice just right, placed the chicken in there so carefully, drizzled the sauce perfectly, gave it to me with such gratitude. I have never had that kind of hospitality in my life. And it was at a fast food chicken place in Japan at a mall. The secret to guest experience is caring. So the question is, what do you do to help your people to actually care? Karen, this is not for you, your guest experience. We cannot save you from yourself. I'm sorry, Karen. Caring is what we need for a great guest experience. Avi, guest experience, right? You're, you, you feel the brunt of bad guest experiences on the Marquee platform on the daily. Caring. How, how do you see and feel caring within the operations uh, from your perspective? Yeah. Um, first of all, it's a great point by Zach, right? It's showing that you actually care. It's something that you can tell pretty quickly and easily going back to just someone making a sandwich, right? There is an art there. And I don't think it's <clears throat> fair to talk about any restaurant in Japan because again, when I was there for two and a half weeks, everything was incredible. Everyone had, it's a different level of commitment and technique and just doesn't matter what you're putting out, whether it's, you know, the, the, the rice ball or, you know, a $300 high-end dinner, there's so much that goes into it. And we don't see that necessarily here in the same way. Um, and you can tell. Caring, on you know, for better or worse, has to happen throughout the whole process. It happens before someone walks in and after in your review responses, right? You can care about making a mistake. It doesn't have to be perfect to show that you care, right? Um, whether it's in person or digitally. So, again, I think hopefully anyone operating cares right and you see it throughout the whole process of the customer journey and for me part of that is also caring about setting the right expectations you know my my stance on reviews is and i'll go into this when i get you know to talk about mine later on the road it's about expectations being set right if you miss expectations it's a bad review if you blow past expectations it's a good review so caring about your expectation setting is so important yeah to the mcdonald's point right how how many times can mcdonald's like mess up and it doesn't get one star reviews because there is a level of expectation and they do meet it so often. However, uh, independent operation messes up one time and it's, I wish I could give zero stars. You're like, damn, because I think the expectation is different. Restaurants probably don't do a good job. Kyle, what do you feel like? Do you do, did you do a good job of setting expectations? I think my anxiety as an owner was always like, are the people who I'm leaving in charge and I'm not at one of the locations going to have the same expectation? You know what I mean? People are who they are when you're not around, right? So that, I mean, that's their true character. Um, and you have the ones that you rely on, but there's always that feeling like, damn, like if I was there, I would have done this. And I think that's one of the hardest challenges of, forget about scaling the recipe like we talked about before, but scaling the culture and how you handle guest complaints or even just little issues. Uh, you know, that's that to me was always like, God, you know, like if I hear, heard of something and I wasn't there, I was like, Shit, like I, I would have handled that differently. Now, how do I fix that? How do I make mm -hmm. sure that the next person who encounters that, if it's not Nicole, if it's somebody else, how do they? How do I make sure that that just doesn't happen again throughout the staff, throughout the organization? That was always my. Yeah, Sean, scaling culture. Gary V talks about as an owner, you can't expect your people to care as much as you do. I You'd have to give them equity. They'd have to have ownership. So how 
how do you take that? How do you scale culture so that there's a, a sense of caring beyond, you know, ownership or even upper level management all the way down to the dishwasher? I mean, everything always comes down to hiring for us. It was the most expensive lesson that we learned running our restaurant was that we thought that we could hire experienced hospitality professionals and then put them into our system. And ultimately, somebody that's a good server or a good bartender that's really good at making tips, like sometimes they're really they're they're kind of two faced, to be honest with you. Mm. They care about themselves. They don't care about the team. And once we moved away from that model and said, we'll train somebody, we don't give a shit if you have experience being a server or a bartender, we're going to train people that have empathy, that care, people that actually understand that other people work in this business, that it doesn't matter who comes in, whether they leave a big tip, a small tip or no tip, every person needs to have a memorable moment. And once we started doing that, we got to a place where we started getting leaders and those leaders rise to the top. And as long as you're putting those leaders in positions to train other leaders, um, then you get to a place where I can be here in Bulgaria and, you know, our team, Cali Barbecue, our locations in San Diego, we'd had one of our best Father's Day in history, you know, 15 years in business, one of the best Father's Day. And and I wasn't at the business, you know, it was the first Father's Day where I wasn't there. Ooh, that feels good. Ian and Lisa and Gene and Howard and everybody that was there, boots on the ground, Bernice, all the people, they they knocked it out of the park. And we used Ovation, we used Marquee, we used all of these digital hospitality tools to engage with guests because 60% of our business was online takeout. You know, this is the first hybrid Father's Day that we had. And that's not an easy, it's much easier to just do takeout. I'll tell you that. Having yeah. people come in and fulfill yeah. a high yeah. volume of takeout orders, barbecue orders is difficult. But the only way that that happens, if, you know, if I can lean on Eric and if I can lean on Steven, if I can lean on Ian and Lisa and all of the people that are busting their ass so that me and my family can be here in Bulgaria. Ooh, shout out to all those unsung hospitality heroes. Karen, no matter what you say, how I rate you get, they care. All right. They really, really care. All right, Zach, thanks. For I think Karen cares too. She was just hurt. Someone hurt Karen deeply. Karen has <laughs> Karen yeah. has a lot of unresolved issues. She needs There's to work. There's trauma out. in Karen's life. We have empathy yeah. for you, Karen. We tried to make you ha- happy with this sandwich. Your, I don't it's know. It's not your fault. You. It's not <laughs> your fault. Your 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 mom your mom or whatever she did to you is. is you just needs a hug. Needs a hug. Needs a hug. Needs yeah. a hug. Just uh, let her out of the tiny broom closet that Kyle's getting stuff back into after we're done. Okay. Come on. All right, guys. Market Watch. Let's talk about this. Olo lays off 81 people as part of reorganization. The company is ironing out its complexities that resulted from acquiring Wisely and launching a payments product. It's also hiring a COO. The company's existing business units will be narrowed down to three core segments, order, pay, and engage. As part of the restructuring, Olo is hiring a chief operating officer, Joanna Jo Lambert, who was most recently a strategic advisor to Yahoo and has held senior executive roles at PayPal, Venmo, and American Express. So clearly payments is pretty important as the CEO has that background. So we, we talked about this. We talked about our how do tech companies scale? Are you How do you become too big to fail while you're trying to keep true to the integrity of what you have? Avi, I want to come to you first. It's 
Everyone's looking to be vertically integrated. The end-to-end solution is a single vertical, good enough to be able to you know, outpace the competition and the market, all these things. This was 11%, 11% of, their, of their total uh, labor force is, uh, is getting laid off. So this is a pretty major deal here from uh, Olo, who's been kind of a, a media darling within the hospitality tech segment. So Avi, I don't know if I have a question. Take it away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, whenever, as as a founder, when you read something like this, you, you kind of have to take a step back and say, what, what's going on, right? What what happened here? And <clears throat> there's never there's never an easy way or the right way to go about a reduction in force. I, I have my own thoughts and feelings as how we're scaling Marquee, which is, and I've had this conversation with a couple of our leaders of like, I will take away marketing budget before we look at people. If we hired someone, my number one responsibility outside of my investors is them and their livelihood and taking care of them. And I would rather grow slower than ever have to remove people. And I would rather have someone feel like they are overwhelmed. And this isn't necessarily the best thing to say publicly, but I'd rather you for a week work 50 hours and then we'll figure out how to pair you back to 40 than hire and then over hire to have to scale back. Right. Mm. And that doesn't always come across, but like my one of my biggest passions here is keeping people employed. I never want to have that conversation. That means making difficult decisions on how we grow, right? And look, we're 35 people. It's not the same as someone who has 800, 1,000, 500, whatever it is, right? And I understand there's different issues there. But when you see companies that do a reduction in force and then four to six weeks later are hiring again, mm-hmm. it's pretty frustrating, yeah. right? And look, we're going to talk to people who are, who are part of this riff, this reduction in force. I'll, I'll change the name of that for a second. Um, because we had never heard that until we got <laughs> called out for that riff. We're a reduction in force. Oh, no. Well, our marketing, Kelsey, our marketing director put riff on my calendar. Like, who are you doing this? Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, my job okay? Am I getting laid off? <laughs> um, and look, there's a lot of talent now coming from Olo and Wisely. And we know a lot of people over there. And you know, it's just, it, it's tough to watch. You have to hope that it really is about this reorganization. But look, we know that sometimes companies have an opportunity to take advantage of a situation to hide behind whatever it might be. And Olo's now, you know, they're a public company. They've done a lot of things well in the past. And I think they're still trying to figure out what the next 20 years of Olo looks like, right? And they're going to have to zig and zag to that. And, and I hope it wasn't an easy decision. And, you know, they're able to take care of their people. It looks like they're getting three months plus a week of um, a week per, per year of service oh, yeah, and three that. years, three years of Cobra. How you doing? Is it him? Did he open the Mr. Beast in Bulgaria? Yeah, there's the new CEO of, of <laughs> Mr. Beast Burger Bulgaria. <laughs> um, you know, it's never an easy thing, but, but a lot of talented people are now coming onto the market for hospitality tech. Yeah, I'm also interested to see what Q3, Q4 earnings look like when that becomes public because that's the thing I always have a problem with, right? You build, you build, you build. You use all of this human equity, this human intelligence to be able to build yourself to a point, cut that out, and then their work floats you into amazing earnings for Q3 and 4 that allow you to leverage for the next move. And then you're rehiring to build back up because – that those earnings aren't sustainable without those brilliant minds and, and that workforce behind it. So that cat and mouse game is, is problematic for me sometimes. And we've been a little bit immune to it in hospitality because we haven't been the 
the tech darling segment of so many others. But now that tech is very much focused, Silicon Valley and beyond is very much focused on the hospitality space. Now we're seeing some of that play out as well. So, all right, we'll see what happens uh, with that. And I'm sure we'll, we'll see more of this as we go. But I'm hoping there's some hospi- more hospitality and hospitality tech than maybe we've seen in other tech segments with this kind of uh, uh, growth and trajectory. All right, emphasizing teams here. So <laughs> this is this is wild. This is more of why restaurants are not a great place to work, apparently, according to a lot of people, because these guys took it to the nth degree here. California restaurant used a bogus priest to learn of workers' sins like stealing. Yes, their sins. Kyle, you hear that? Zacharia like- <laughs> Gibaldi used the ruse to learn of such confessed infractions as fudging hours, according to a Department of Labor investigation. Under oath, an employee of Tecaria Giribaldi explained how the restaurant offered a supposed priest to hear their workplace sins while other employees reported that a manager falsely claimed that immigration issues would be raised. This is pretty serious. They basically got an actor to come in and play a priest and get dirt on employees. And uh, the Department of Labor had other things that was actually investigating of fudging tips numbers and break times and uh, hours, things like that, came across this now that's, you know, alleged of going through the motions. So, I don't know, Kyle, priest comes into the restaurant. Are you confessing your sins? Oh, he frozen. He's back in the break. <laughs> <laughs> Sean. We, we know how Kyle this feels about wild. This is wild, Sean. Like, this is... We talked about how nervous you are when you leave the restaurant. Kyle mentioned that. Like, this is that kind of gripping fear, turning into paranoia, turning into fraud and illegal activity. What do you think about this? I mean, we've seen for the last 15 years of running our business, we've seen the two things that always remain true is no politics and no religion. Like, no politics and no religion. We have space for everything else. I don't care what football team you cheer for, all 32 teams. If you hate football, you're welcome at Cali Barbecue. But we definitely don't do religion and we definitely don't do politics. And there's a reason for it. I mean, there's just, this you know, is both some, matched into one now, too. Yeah, I mean, we, we've gone through the time where having a Christmas tree at the restaurant was cool. And then people questioning, why do you have a Christmas tree at the restaurant? And, you know, now here we are in 2023. I'm telling you, having a priest confessing, having your staff confess to a priest. I mean, I'm pretty sure we're past that. Like, that's like a headline for 2009 and 2010. Mm. 2023. I mean, I I don't even I don't even know what to tell you. Well, and Avi, it felt a little cultural as well, because, you know, they mentioned that uh, immigration issues were raised. So then my instinct is that a lot of these at Tuckeria Giovaldi are of Hispanic descent. So that creates some fear and anxiety uh heavily catholic and religious people so all of a sudden is that building culture like we're gonna we're gonna have a priest come in and and absolve us like they're feeding into the culture and the fear of potential politics and it's all mashed in together uh to get probably a group of smart people to make some poor decisions uh what do you think about that I mean, it, it reads like an onion article. Like, how it is really this real? does. I mean, I had to look at it to be sure it was real. <laughs> like, how how is this real? 
um it, it stirs up a lot of emotions for me i fully agree with sean and like for me religion and politics i try to keep out of at least where i'm eating um you know <laughs> you, and let's take let's take heavy and marky we hide it i mean you know avi goren <laughs> isn't really a, a hideable everyone knows who i am and what i do but um you know from nine to five i just try to be nice yeah <laughs> like, you know, I try to do that outside of work hours. I'm not as good, but I try to just be nice, right? And like, there's no. I mean, if somebody's no making obvious sandwich. He's nice. He's nice with it, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. It's, know, not, it's, it's not a robot. Crazy. I, I just don't even know what to make of that article. Still, I just it baffles me the lengths that that people are going to. To I'm sure at some point there was this. How do we protect our business? How do we have our employees be more open and this? And then they turned into a caricature of themselves. Where they're like, all right, we have to find out what's going on. And Kyle mentioned the you know, the fear or anxiety that comes up of not knowing what's happening at your restaurant while they're there. Then you have cameras on your employees. You see something happening. You're calling them so, on the phone. It just phone. doesn't make any sense. It's, I mean, it's I, am, I am Catholic. And the, the, like the, the numbers, like how many Catholics work in restaurants <laughs> or openly Catholic in a restaurant? Like, you know, it does well, with the, with the drinking culture in the Catholic community, I mean, they, they like to party, man. I, I remember... Uh, my uncle's uh, Irish pub. We math. always have a Catholic. Like, I mean, what are we talking about here? It just doesn't make any sense. Wow, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's so wild. And, like even my wife's family is Colombian, and when we go to Colombia, there is no separation. Like right. there's oh, pictures right. of Jesus in every restaurant in the in the yeah. post office. You know, like, and I could definitely imagine this being an actual thing. Like, hey, I work in the restaurant, and they brought a priest in and made us confess to see in Colombia because that's very yeah. like, the oh, way yeah. they're very. But and there's like ten lawsuits in the headline. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've seen enough people's court to know that people can sue somebody for what happened there. So yeah, you don't need you don't need Johnny Cochran to win this case here. Yeah, exactly. like, <laughs> the public defender is going to they hit a home run on on this one here. The Department of Labor uh, is getting a getting a layup here for sure. So, all right, all right, don't bring a priest into your restaurant. I don't know what else, what other advice I could possibly give somebody. So, all right, let's talk a little TikTok here. We're gonna talk Keith Lee, really. All right, so Keith Lee has this beef with Chicken Fire after the owner goes on offensive with attacks on social media of Lee's review of the restaurant. They had uh, hit him up on social media a bunch of times, finally said came in. He does what Keith Lee does and says, I give proper reviews no matter who you are, if you're Kevin Hart or anybody else, and and did watch, you know, I watched the review and I thought it was it was fair and he was very diplomatic of saying hey this is my opinion maybe you would like this more I, I thought even more gracious than he needed to be and the owner has now deleted some of the content that basically says you know i don't care about what anybody says even keith lee but you asked him into your restaurant so let's uh let's touch on this a little bit uh here we got a little video clip i came i paid for my own food i gave my own personal opinion like i said i would but now after the review you've said it multiple times and my opinion doesn't matter at all I don't give a crap about anyone's review, including Keith Lee's. We don't like hearing what we need to hear, and you get lied to, because when you tell people the truth, they don't want to hear the truth. So we become trained to constantly lie to people, and the people who's real and keep it 100 with you, we're the hated people. Mm. Avi, we're like setting you up to get into let's talk review stuff because sometimes it's true. Like you tell somebody the truth and they don't want to hear the truth. And then, you know, you said their kid was ugly and all of a sudden it becomes this very personal battle. And I think we've all talked about Keith Lee. Like he 
he does keep it 100 like for real the guy just says like this is this is what i thought about it you know he's not pretending to be uh this food critic he's just out there saying here's what i you know here's what i think about this food so what do we think about this guys going on the offensive i mean is this chicken fire now getting a bunch of attention is it a ploy like what's going on here kyle go on come on man this is too easy i mean the 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 you can't invite somebody in unless the assumption is that you think you're going to get, I mean, that, that was the old school way, right? Like now I, I give a lot of credit to Keith Lee for, for putting it out there saying like, I'm going to tell you exactly how it is because how many influencers are out there just coming in for the free meal. Right. And so, Oh, I love it. I, I just don't, people now want authenticity and that's why it comes across as being sometimes like to that guy's point in the video, like you don't, you want me to tell you the truth, but then when I tell you the truth, you get mad at me. And that's, you know, it's kind of like, you know, raising kids, you try to get them, hey, tell, just tell me what happened, you'll be fine. And then you're like, don't ever do that again. But the reality <laughs> is like, you have to find that balance of like, they, they, they brought in a priest and they didn't like what they had to say. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. I, I respect Keith Lee. The guy just seems a little too, you know, there's so much emotion that goes into these brands and so much work that goes into it. And then when somebody says you don't want it, particularly, you know, you're really taking a chance if you're, this guy's going to tell you, look, I'm, I'm going to put you on blast, which could in theory, uh, put this place out of business or you know at least a decrease in business for them um yeah i just think the guy's off on what the expectation was there when he was very clear about it so yep sean avi thoughts go for it avi um look we we have a saying here at marquee internally because we we value feedback feedback is a gift and gifts can be returned um so you you like it or you don't right and we're we're in the process of revamping our review product and dashboard and, and the thing i keep saying to our team is that this is a sensitive you think religion and politics are sensitive talk to a restaurant owner about reviews mm-hmm. right yeah. this is this is your baby yeah this this hurts this is a, this is personal i'm not saying the owner handled it the right way but I get it. I understand the it's emotion. <laughs> I understand the emotion. Now, is that what you're supposed to act on and then go show? No. It hurts. Then you put on your adult business owner face and you go out and you turn it into a positive somehow, right? There's nothing. I love when I see signs outside that say, come try the worst hamburger according to Yelp user XYZ. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Come oh, try Keefe's. Lean into it hard. Yeah. Like, like turn it into something positive, right? You, you, can, you can be upset for a minute and then go do the right thing as a business owner, go protect your staff, go out there and, and say you're learning from it, fix it, whatever you want to do. But that's not how, you, that's not how you handle it. You, you yeah, can't react. You could have been that. so grateful and appreciative of Keith Levy. Like, thank you for allowing us the opportunity to learn from somebody of your caliber. And we're, here's what we're doing about it. You know? And I think, uh, I, I think you got to lean into it. I think you got to, you got to own that 100%. So, I mean, I think we've seen it from like the, the Dave Portnoy pizza reviews. I've seen some bad ones that come out and actually own it and they, they turn it into something bigger. Um, and they magnify, they, they get to piggyback off of his following and, and people who are watching that who then yeah. look them up, right? So, this is an opportunity to kind of change the narrative and own it a little bit. But, uh, you know, again, I, I'm coming in from the, from the completely unattached side of things versus Sean, who's a, you know, a restaurant owner here. I mean, I think we need to remember what Seth Godin talks about a lot. And Seth Godin talks about purple cows, purple cows. He talks about that. No one knows him. He's like people think he's famous, but no one, no one knows who he is. 
He's a best-selling author. He sold 23 books, millions of people, marketers all over the world. But he's like, I'm insignificant. People need to remember that. And when we talk about Keith Lee's review or we talk about Mr. Beast, like we have to remember how big the world really is and that this mm -hmm. stuff is just a flash in the pan. Like it's a flash in the pan. And if you can't put your big boy pants on and say, you know, I invited Keith Lee over, he gave me a bad review. I need to move on from this. Like, you know, this tit for tat stuff is that, that stuff's going to live on the internet. And that, that says more yeah. about who you are than anything else. Yeah. But ultimately, you know, we have to accept that, you know, we have 3000 reviews that we've spent 15 years getting on Yelp, but that's nothing. <laughs> it's nothing. There's 3.3 mm -hmm. 3 million people in San Diego County alone. Like that's absolutely nothing yet. We take a bunch of pride in that. And yes, it feels like a kick in the nuts when I get a one-star review, but ultimately someone else is going to come through that door who has no idea who didn't read that review. And we need to do the best job possible to take care of them. This is a long game. It's not a, it's not a, a one thing that happened on YouTube or TikTok or Yelp or whatever it is. It's like, no, well, what, what, what are you open tomorrow? If I stay in business today, that's all that matters. Mm. All right, let's kick shot of the nuts again, Avi. One star <laughs> review. <laughs> one star review. I'll bring my, wife. I'll from bring the my wife over here. She, she's, yeah. she's the real one that you can't write, you write the reviews. <laughs> Whatever you like, say what to me, you <laughs> don't, um, don't read the reviews to me anymore. I don't want to hear them. <laughs> this is great. All right, from a, from a, what do you say, a younger, less mature, Avi Gore, one star review, the only existing one star review. Uh, Avi Gorin has given, <laughs> or that the only hospitality had, one star you know. review. I had a bad dermatology visit, but I'll, I won't get into that. <laughs> That's a joke gonna... for another day. All right, let's get into it. <laughs> Hold on, let me let me give you your lead in here. Proper, proper lead in. Let's do a little reading reviews, guys. Presented by Marquee. Marquee is a one stop digital operations platform for no touch digital menu and listing updates. Let's play this clip. He's right there. Let's play this clip from Avi. Let's hear what Avi has to say this week. Let's go, Avi. So I'm just going to set the scene. It's 2018. I've been doing Marquee for about a year. I had no money, and I was still hungry, so I signed up for Meal Pal for lunch. Right, Great spot in New York. You can pick a, a, a meal a day from your favorite place. It's January 2nd, and it's less than 20 degrees in New York City. And so I'm, I'm working. It's January 2nd. It's New York. We're working. I placed an online order through MealPal with Pokey, P-O-K-E-E, -E, and walked 20 minutes. I know I sound like my grandfather. I walked 20 minutes in 10 degrees to come and get it. I walk in the way. door. <laughs> I walk in the door, and someone on the other side of the restaurant starts legitimately yelling at me, telling me they are closed because it's New Year's, it's January 2nd, and that I'm out of luck and that this is somehow my fault for not checking that they are open. By the way, I'm a founder of Marquee. I checked Google My Business, Facebook, Foursquare, and their website all saying they are open today, and I ordered on MealPal. I pre-ordered, prepaid. I overlooked the fact that they have a B because the poke is good and I haven't gotten sick, so I'll, I'll keep coming back. And they're the only poke in the area. The manager proceeds to ask me if I've ever done his job. I have. And, it's all, and I don't need to ever come back. That it's my decision if I wanted to come back. The owner was standing next to him while this was going down. I've been coming to poke almost twice a week since I joined MealPal, uh, I'm not going to read the rest. The manager made it clear it was my fault for showing up. Ridiculous experience. Did they? Respond? I'm like getting. 
I'm getting emotional. Yeah, they I can tell you, like heated. I was like, he's reading the review, good, but then also being like, I, I want to ad lib this a little bit and be like, here's fuck was going on. They Man. did not respond, and I yeah. went through their Yelp page yesterday. They've since closed. I hope I wasn't the kiss of death. I don't wish that. I wanted them to get better. You banned. Do you know them? What happened? <laughs> I don't need to talk about it. Um, but as as a consumer, I mean, I felt like I I understood it was holiday ish, even though it was January second. I was going to check. Google their website. I, I checked numerous sources before being like, okay, I'm going to pre-order this thing, right? You did your due diligence, yeah. I, I feel like I did my due diligence, which is why this is the only one-star review that I've kept up. Um, I wish it was the origin story for Marquee. It was about a year in, but it really solidified... I say it reinforced. Right, what, we're what, what we're doing. And mm. the other part of that is it's still happening, right? We're now, this is five years later, and we were just on a, an interview because we're hiring, and when I when we started, he was like, "By the way, this happened to me last week. Last week, I went to order something and it was closed when I showed up. Right? This is still happening. So, again, I always talk about with reviews, it's the expectations that are met or not met. And my expectation was that I was going to have a health grade B Poke Bowl that was open, right? And it was closed. So, again, that's that's always kind of my my north star with reviews is expectations. This is not a this is not a highfalutin expectation. You just expected them to be open. Yeah. And then when you opened the, the door and literally walked into the space, you, that thought was crystallized, I imagine, being like, oh, they must be open. This door is unlocked. <laughs> to then be treated <laughs> like what? You were burglaring the place? Like That, that makes no you. sense. That's so many layers of just the basics. You didn't even get to the robot making the sandwich. Okay. Like that, the expectation needs to be set there. So, <laughs> Kyle, I mean, I think you been yelled at it for walking into a restaurant. How dare you before? <laughs> I feel like I have actually. I forget like some <laughs> dumb shit like that's happened before, but that's completely justified. That's, I don't know. What do you say when the owner stand there? I had this similar, not a similar experience, but like where the owner kind of stood by and watched something happen to me at this taco place in the city. And I was looked at him like, I know you're the owner. You know I know you're the owner. <laughs> I see you seeing me. I just really like I just yeah, you know, it's you deal with so many different like I'm either eating out at a restaurant, ordering some food, talking to restaurant clients, talking to you guys, you get a general sense of what's right and wrong. And certainly like if there's something blatant like if you're open or not and I'm in your restaurant, how are we disagreeing on this? I don't know how how am I wrong here? Yeah. I well, I also saw, I mean, it was poke. They didn't have to cook it. It was there. I saw it. The, the, the ingredients were there. I was looking at them, right? Like, <laughs> if you're the owner, you know, it's a quick solve, right? You just turn it out real quick. Um, Could you imagine if they had made you a Pokeball, said, you know what? We're actually close today. We decided to extend, yes. uh, you know, the date through the second, give our employees some time off. We had a yeah. you know, real wild and crazy. You guys know the weather, but you know what? I'll make you a Pokeball myself. That's a five-star review that you 100%. never ever stop talk ever stop talking stop. about this goes back to that that video that i did a long time ago about when somebody comes in it's much more impactful if i say you know what actually we are kind of closing down but here's what we do have available you're right. gonna go tell 50 people about that right you're gonna go tell everybody that oh my god they were closing but i was coming up home from a late meeting they whipped me up a burger and i was beyond satisfied with what i wanted well, it's it's the uh i don't know if we have sopranos fans here but it's the end of the night it's pouring and this 
couple comes in from a Broadway show to Vesuvio five minutes before closing, and he's like, I don't have anything. You're going to have whatever I have. And he cooks this incredible rabbit dish and reignites his passion for cooking, right? Yeah. Like, it's real. It's real. And, like, if the owner's there, it's an opportunity to kind of what Zach said earlier, right, to care. Yeah, like, this, this is what you guys yeah. do, isn't it? Your hospitality. Yeah. Like, this is, this is the chance to prove it. And you also, we talked about, you don't know who anybody is. And so any random person off the street, they would have been telling 50 people. The reality, though, is and this is the potential serendipity of making a different caring decision is this is Avi Gorin that just walked in. So he's going to fucking tell everybody about this. This is going to become the model for here's how you build a proper review, which, Marky, I've seen you put out content about the composition. We've talked about it, about the composition yeah. of a quality review. This becomes the benchmark of going the extra mile and creating a five-star review out of no review or a one-star review. And so that serendipity was lost. And so, yeah, they'd still be open, Avi. They would still be open if they had made a different decision. I could see that multiverse grade coming. But again, no response either, right? And, And I was going through my old reviews, and there were a few that turned from one to five post response and post to revisit right and so yeah um i don't know it's just hard it, it's important to remember we're consumers i'm a consumer we're all consumers and um you know we try to we try to do our best as consumers to not ever put out a one star but sometimes i stand by it five years later yeah and now it's getting airtime again like it would, it's a it's another opportunity it's karen give a five-star review come on all right that's uh guys good show Rift 26, bring in the heat. Uh, Kyle, I really appreciate you jumping on the grenades since I had all those internet issues for being now. <laughs> can't keep his internet. Like, look at Sean. He's he's sitting there in, in the, in the, the throats of Bulgaria just just showing you up, man. It's the village internet. Man, make it happen now, you know? The, the village internet. Like, when you say something like that, I feel like it's the well. Like, everybody has to come and... and and be able to get on the you one. See router. how many guys are, hold, are, are holding you know, the wires. You're holding up the line right here. For this show to happen. <laughs> it's like it's like the phone line in the uh, mm-hmm. in the military barracks or something here. So I have been loving your 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 content, Sean. By the way, please post. Oh, yeah? please, please keep posting all the Bulgarians. You like, I love you it. like all, all that the content from Bulgaria? Bulgaria I love it. I love <laughs> it. <laughs> my, just my just blink so we know you're okay. Burning, burning down the garden. <laughs> it's such a fish out of water story. I feel like Sean would be more Bulgarian by now being bulgarian i'm yeah. i'm very bulgarian i'm the american bulgarian i was putting i was putting nets up in the ba- in the village this kids need nets it's <laughs> like some green peace stuff sean yeah. wall chef the man who I, brought nets. i brought two nets this year next year i'll bring more nets and go go to more villages get oh, these man. kids playing some hoops improve improve it. the uh the basketball climate over here in bulgaria Maybe we can have our own joke. Hey, the Serbians are crushing it. Jokic over here. Maybe the Bulgarian, the dream is coming. Yeah. All right, everybody. Let us know how we did. Uh, Do we need Avi back for another show? Is Avi like crystallizing a uh, a recurring spot? For uh, sure. We need to have him co-host on our other shows too, guys. All right, that's it for this episode. Let us know how we can do better next time. Riff 26. Appreciate everyone. Cheers. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, Avi. Subscribe to full episodes Fridays at 4 p.m. Eastern on Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn.